You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 400 true stories of the Old West. Also, soon to be available, my first book titled Coal Miner to Cowboy, historical fiction based on true events. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Montana, and rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He also travels with a wagon train. On his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and will soon be available on Amazon. My dear friend, and here he is, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hey, buddy. We, we both are kind of growling in the microphone. Well, I can't blame that you gave it to me, and I didn't give it to you because we haven't seen each other for two weeks. Oh, my goodness sake. <clears throat> did you have a good Christmas? Uh, we did. We had a new baby born. Uh, we now not like you and your wife. No, no, no. Oh. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Grandchild number 15 came into the world. 15. On December 22nd. Wow. So, yeah, little boy, just a 10-pounder, you know, pretty husky kid. My goodness. So he got him a football contract well, already. he came out wearing, wearing football pads. There you go. There <laughs> so, you go. Yeah, so it was good. But uh, so, and, and so, a good New Year and a good New Year uh, and, and happy birthday to me. Thank you. Where's, when's your birthday? January first. You're a New Year's baby. Yes, I didn't I know that, and I didn't win any prizes. Well, don't look for one here. <laughs> I won't. No, happy birthday. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, and by the way, Fleeble Flooster, whatever Schnitzel. your name is. Oh yeah, Schnitzel yes, Fleeble yes, Flooster. Yes, he send said, Doctor History a card. Uh, he did? He what? did? Oh, no. No, he hasn't. But he, well, did, he should. But he did send me a little note that he said, when you're cooking kale or Brussels sprouts, be sure to use lots of coconut oil. That way, when you scrape it out of the pan, it goes out a lot easier into the garbage. He's a good man. <laughs> he is. He's a good man. Yeah. What anyway. are we going to talk about? Well, today? I, I've got to give a plug again, Zeb. Here's where's the camera over there. Oh, I got to turn you on the camera. Hold on just a second. I apologize. Normally, I'm always prepared and have you on camera number two for our internet. Okay. And right now, look that way and talk okay. to the camera. There you go. They can see you. Okay, folks. There's the book. Uh oh. Coal miner to cowboy by Ken Turner. It is now on Amazon. You can go to Amazon and find the book or go to my webpage, dr-history.com, and there is a link there that will take you right to the, to the book and a description of the book. And 
as a, I will have these books on Thursday. So Friday, you'll be able to, for the local people, go to the Chamber of Commerce, the Declo Country Store, It's a Child's World, or my nephew's office, Dr. Travis Turner, and it'll be there for you to go buy and pick up and hopefully enjoy. And uh, speaking of which, uh, where is my autographed copy? It will be here Friday. No, it'll be here next Tuesday because I'll get them here Thursday. Well, at least hold it up so I can see it. You held it up to the camera. Well, I like the cover. Who did that? I had an illustrator that I found on the Internet, and I thought he did a marvelous job with that. Kind of uh, secretive with that shadowy cover. I like that. And And on the back? And then on the back is a description of the book of what's inside of it oh, with good, the, good, all good. the ISBN and all that stuff. Yeah, now, did you put a, a picture of yourself on the inside? I did not. You should have. Well, it's on my webpage. I oh. figure that's okay. good enough. All right. <laughs> so, well, congratulations. It is coming to fruition. It, it was a two and a half year project. Wow. My wife said, do you feel like you've given birth? And I said, uh, well, I, I guess sort of. <laughs> but I bet you feel really accomplished. I do, because yeah. it was a goal and... And it took a lot more time than I thought, but I had a wonderful editor. And uh, anyway, it was a great project. May I ask you one quick question? Sure. When Did you write it out longhand or did you do the typing on the computer? I, I am a really good typer. I am not. And so I did it all on my really? laptop. Yeah. Oh, well, you're yeah. farther ahead than I am. So, I'm trying to write it out longhand. Yeah, that, that would take a long time. It is. But it, like I say, it, it was a goal that I've accomplished. Of course, the way I type, maybe it's not as long as you think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess get on with the show, right? Yes, sir. So, you know, we've talked about famous rides uh, like Pony Express rides and and horse rides that took a long time, dangerous, one thing, another. So this is called Lean John's Ride. Lean John's Ride. Lean Lean John's Ride. Okay. And you'll see what I'm talking about. All right. So... Picture this. It's, there's Captain Archibald Gillespie has a small battalion of 50 Americans, and he tells his men, he says, I'll give any man $500 who can break through the Californian lines and deliver a message to Commodore Stockton. Okay, so this is in California. He was the guy they named Stockton, California. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. And so Commodore Stockton, Robert Stockton, arrived from uh, Virginia and assumed command of all the forces in the newly acquired territory of California, mm-hmm. which, you know, was under Mexican rule. That's right. Right? Yep. Well, Stockton was a man of action. He wasted little time in occupying San Diego and Los Angeles. Two of the last strongholds under Mexican rule. Well, he met very little opposition, so Stockton assumed that the conquest was complete, figured everything was good, so he placed his Captain Gillespie in charge, and he sailed away in a ship up to Monterey, which is where his headquarters were. Okay, so he got the picture. San Diego, Los Angeles, and he now leaves and leaves a, a, a battalion of 50 Americans to defend this. 50? 50. Okay, not real good odds. No. Well, uh, Gillespie uh, made enemies among the native Californians. He wasn't a very well-liked guy. Uh, he quickly organized, uh, and so the the Californians or the Mexicans, whatever, however you want to refer to it, they were really were the Californians, weren't they? 
Californios. Weren't yeah, they California, Californios? Californios, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So they quickly organized a fighting force composed of almost 500 men. And during the early morning hours in September 23, 1846, the small American outpost was surrounded. So you got 50 men. 50 men holding off 500. 500, yeah. Hmm. So uh, this was a place called Fort Hill. So Captain Gillespie and his command realized for the first time that they were in danger. They, it took them that long. It took them a while to I figure see. this out. Smart people. So they were outnumbered 10 to 1, and thoughts of uh, actually fighting was rejected. I mean, obviously, which meant somebody had to ride 350 miles through the California's defenses and onto the headquarters in Monterey to where Stockton was. Now, how did they get out? I'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> you knew that. Inquiring minds want, want to, know. to know. After much discussion, the Americans decided there was only one man <clears throat> among them who would have a chance of making this long and dangerous journey. John Brown. And he was a lanky, skinny guy, and they named him, named, nicknamed him Lean John Brown. Lean John Lean Brown. Lean John Brown. Doesn't he sound like a jockey? Kind of? Yeah, probably about six foot four. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, I'm thinking he's pretty little. Oh, okay. Anyway, he had a, uh, Lean John Brown had a remarkable career even before he came to the shores of California. He was actually born in Sweden, so he was a Swede, in 1799, and at age 15, he'd run away from home and joined the British Navy. And he was around when Napoleon Bonaparte was being exiled, so he was in amongst uh, some of that stuff. Oh, wow. Then he went to South America, and Lean John fought nine battles under the famous Venezuelan general Simon Bolivar. You've, really? you've heard of him. And was eventually captured and sentenced to death. Uh, but before he was to face the firing squad, he escaped and stowed away on a ship bound for California. So that's mm. how he got to California. Holy cow. Well, he soon became really good uh, as a horseman, and he actually learned the Spanish language. So being from Sweden, he spoke, obviously, Swedish. But being a true adventurer, Brown wasted little time in joining the Americans when they arrived on the West Coast. So Lean John was familiar with the territory and with his ability to handle a horse and speak the language of the land. It seemed like Captain Gillespie's only real hope of ever reaching Stockton's headquarters was with this Swede. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Lean John. So 
he was decided. Brown was given the best horse the post had to offer, and at 8 o'clock in the evening, September 24th, so it's still kind of summer, it's not really too cold yet, Okay. he mounted his horse and slipped through the guard at Fort Hill, making his way successfully through the enemy lines. He rode at top speed toward Cahunga Pass, Cahunga Pass. Coalinga? Cahunga. Oh. We both butchered it. No, it? but how is it spelled? C-A-H-U-N-G-A. I think oh, it's Kwang, okay. Okay. I right. believe. Okay, different place. Uh, so, so he was pretty brave just to break through their lines, these 500 men that are surrounding this Well, fort. you would think the 500 would be a little closer. Than well, that. you would think, but uh, who knows. Anyway, yeah. uh, even before he was out of sight, well, they did see him. Okay. Oh, Fifteen of the Californians were mounted and on his trail. Uh-oh. But... Combined, uh, combining his expert horsemanship with the speed of this, he was on a, what they says was a really nice white stallion. Doesn't that just put you a picture in your mind, this beautiful white stallion going full speed? Well, Lean John had little trouble holding his lead, so it must have been a pretty fast horse. Yeah. Now, so it was nighttime, so there was a rising moon that helped Brown follow the trail, but it also helped his followers to keep him in sight. So two miles from Fort Hill, in the pale light from the sky, showed there was a wide gulch cutting through the center of the trail. An arroyo, you know, like a little mini canyon, I guess you'd call it. Well, Lean John knew his only chance of escape was to jump the gap and hope the enemy would not be able to follow him. Wait a minute, you're going to jump it? Jump it. He spurred his horse straight ahead and held on for dear life, and he jumped this arroyo, they call it. How wide was it? Oh, at least 14, 15, I don't know, 20 feet wide. Really? Yeah. So I wonder get, what the horse was thinking. He's <laughs> probably thinking, i got to make this. <laughs> so gunshots echoed in his ears as the surprised California suddenly realized that the trooper had jumped the gulch and was quickly disappearing. And into, they didn't try it. No. Heavens no. They'd been aware that this, well, they, he's, they call it a 13-foot arroyo. And that's still a pretty good jump. Right, I would. Say, I would say yeah. that's as uh, almost as wide as this, this office. As this or, office, yeah, right here, right, pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So they were counting on him to stop, but uh, he didn't. Obviously, well, Brown's first feeling of relief did not last long. Within a matter of minutes, he noticed his stallion was beginning to falter. Oh my goodness, what happened? Well, he rode the animal for another two miles. Uh oh. Then suddenly, the horse fell dead beneath him. He was shot. Yeah. Oh no. On examination, John learned that one of the bullets had found its mark and had laid this beautiful, fine horse to rest. Oh, no. I mean, you know, Zeb, you and I are horse lovers. I hate to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, me too. Well, not hearing any sign of his pursuers, he grabbed his riata and started walking toward Rancho de la Virgen, owned by his friend, Domingo Dominguez. You're having a fun time with this, aren't you? My friends love it when I try to speak Spanish. It took John most of the night to walk those 27 miles over the countryside, the rough country. 27 miles? Yeah, he walked after riding all those miles. And a lot of times throughout the night, he was forced to hide because the Californians had made it around this arroyo and they were still chasing him. Well, so, they weren't really chasing him because they couldn't find him. They couldn't find him. But, you know, I guess they didn't realize he was on foot. Oh, my goodness. So he was able to, you know, uh, keep away from him. Yeah. 
Well, in, anywhere of uh, Lean John's 27-mile hike and of his acquiring a fresh mount at Domingo's Ranch, uh, the Texans uh, eventually became tired of playing hide-and-seek, and so they just finally returned back to the fort where they were holding. Fort Hill. Yeah, Fort Hill. Okay. Yeah. So they, they basically gave up. They let him go. Yeah. All right. Well, so Brown raced on toward Monterey. Wait a minute. He raced on? He, he walked on? No, no. Now he was given a, a horse by that friend of his. Oh, you got to keep me up on okay. this. Okay. The Domingos guy. I see. He, he got a horse All there. Right. Okay. So he kept going towards Monterey, and uh, uh, when he got there, they weren't unaware of what had happened at Fort Hill and did not know that a lone rider had a message of importance, and he had it actually hidden in his hair. So he must have had long hair. So he hid this message in his hair that they needed help back there at Fort Hill. Okay. He hit him, and you and I can't do that. <laughs> no, not unless they tattooed it on top of our head. So late in the evening of September 25th, Lean John rode into Santa Barbara, which is where he thought this Stockton guy was. Uh, and he'd covered 80 miles since he'd left the fort, a third of which had been made on foot, and more than 24 hours had passed since he had slept, and he gratefully accepted an invitation to take a little rest at the Santa Barbara military barracks. Captain Talbot, commanding officer there, had some food and a fresh horse waiting for him when he was able to get up. Now, from Santa Barbara, he went on to Monterey, another distance of 270 miles. He went, but nobody went with him? No. That doesn't make sense. And again, over some of the roughest terrain in California territory. Oh, yeah. yeah. So after leaving the barracks, John rode almost day and night until he reached Monterey. He'd been able to obtain fresh horses from an American named Lewis Burton, who had a ranch near San Luis Obispo. In fact, Burton had provided four of his best animals. As one horse began to get tired, John would dismount and saddle another horse. So he was leading four other horses. Did you ever, i got to ask you a quick question. Okay. I don't want to take a lot of time. In the movies and in these books and everything, did you ever realize, you know, they're jumping on these horses and running here and there? How well do you think they were broke? <laughs> That's a, Well, we know the Pony Express horses <laughs> were not great. A lot of times those began with a little bucking contest. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, when he finally arrived at Commodore Stockton's headquarters in Monterey, he was given the message that Stockton had left town and it was now aboard a ship called the the U.S. Frigate uh, Congress, and he was up in San Francisco Bay, farther north from Monterey. Oh, my. And, you know, that's a ways farther up. So here he is. He's tired. He's worried about uh, his friends back at Fort Hill surviving. Um, and so the news of Stockton's being another 150 miles to the north was almost more than he could take. He figured, I got to, I got to keep going here. So he was, uh, they thought about giving somebody else the, the chore of taking it. Well, duh. But they figured that, uh, he was the only one that Stockton would believe because he had been there when they, they were being attacked. Oh, my. So this added credibility to the message. Well, in his hair. Yeah, in his hair. <laughs> so, because he had firsthand knowledge of what was going on back there at Los Angeles. So, after some discussion, it was soon apparent that Brown himself would have to continue to San Francisco, and he was offered $200 to complete this journey. Now, you remember in the beginning, he was offered 500 so now another 200 to, to make this journey. So he accepted, but he insisted on a little rest before resuming his ride. Can you, you know, he'd been going, him? going, going. 
So after three hours, he was roused out from his sleep and given a racehorse owned by a local American named John Dye. With the speed of this animal and a quick change of horses near a place called Gilroy. I don't know, where I know that where that is. Okay. John was able to reach the Pueblo of San Jose in less than four hours, so a little further north. So San Jose was about half the distance to San Francisco. And while there, he met a guy named uh, Thomas Larkin, who was a personal agent of President James Polk. And Larkin realized the importance of this message, and he ordered fresh horses for the last bit of this ride. Why didn't somebody go with him? That's, I don't know. I guess they didn't figure they could keep up with this guy. I don't know. A good question. Well... Finally, he was able to get uh, some horses, uh, some good, suitable horses, and taking advantage of his unexpected stop, he again rested for just a a short time, and when the horses were ready, uh, the remaining distance to San Francisco was covered in record time. He arrived at the beach just as the 8 o'clock guns aboard Stockton's ship was announcing the hour at 8 o'clock at night. Well, he couldn't get out to Stockton that evening, out to his ship. So he spent the long, cold night sleeping on the beach. You're kidding. He couldn't get out to the ship to deliver the message. But early the next morning, they, uh, a small boat was there, and it rowed him out to where Stockton was, and he was able to deliver the message. So at last, meeting face-to-face, lean John Brown removed the message, which had been hidden in his long hair. As the Commodore read Gillespie's message, he knew he could trust the courier. He knew he could trust John Brown. So Stockton thanked Brown for his loyalty and endurance and immediately began plans to sail to San Pedro and bring relief to Gillespie and his men. So the 50 basically were okay? I'll get to that. You only got two minutes. <laughs> John, John Brown's ordeal was finally over. He'd covered 500 miles in exactly five days. Holy 27 God. of those miles had been on foot, and the entire distance had been over this rough mountain country. He had not slept or rested for more than a few hours during the entire journey. And to make his feet even more remarkable, this big, big Swedish guy was 47 years old. That was wow. old for back then. Yeah. 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 So what did Brown's courageous effort accomplish? Nothing. The small American garrison had not been able to hold out until Stockton's reinforcements arrived. And as for the $700 Lean John had been promised, he never received a penny. (laughs) So as sad as these facts seem, nothing can detract from his display of sacrifice, horsemanship. I mean, he'd ridden more than 10 horses in his race up the California coast. The record he set probably still stands as the fastest horseback ride between Los Angeles and San Francisco. Now, wouldn't it be fun to reenact that? No. This, no? Not for no. me and you, but to no. watch, right? Not under the circumstances of that terrain, no. because I can bet you it was pretty rough. Yeah. So in 1859, Lean John died. He was buried in a small California town, which gained its name from the naval commander, Stockton, Stockton. California. Yeah. I've been there many times. Yeah. So that's the Poor old story. Lean John. Lean John's ride. Well, and he yeah. never got compensated. Never did. But that's not an unusual situation. Yeah. People were promised, you know, different things. But that's amazing. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting. Uh, it is show of bravery. Do you have a picture of the guy? I don't. Oh. Um, 
I, I don't. I, I mean, I've got this came, folks, by the way, out of a Frontier Times from 1969. That'd be really depressing to go and do everything that he did and accomplish everything he tried to do to save people. Oh, thanks, John. See yeah, ya. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Wow, I got it. Yeah, thank run. you very much. There you go. Another one. Great way to start the year. Thank you, Zeb. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. <laughs> 